Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spin-off Angel. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us at patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. A couple hundred years ago, the only thing you had to worry about was a hangover. You're telling me you're an investigator? More or less. Today, because of your curse thingy, you can't sleep with anyone. I'm not a teen. I'm your boss. Or else you might feel a moment of true happiness. You got already an addiction to the brooding part of life. Lose your soul. Except for the bulk of it, I was nearly tortured to death. Becoming built again. You're a demon hunter. Road demon hunter. And kill everyone. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Thanks, Cornelia. I always appreciate you. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Ale with Angel. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. And today we're doing Season 1, Episode 6, Sense and Sensitivity. Everybody's so sensitive today. <laughs> it's like they got a rash or something. Or they got the got eczema or something. <laughs> I know someone with eczema. It strikes me as horrible. Yeah. Just so horrible. It really does. Okie doke. Everybody, just real quick, I'm going to run down our list of executive producers, a.k.a. Patreon patrons. We have Meredith McCaslin, Rose Clark, C in quotes heaps, Andy Burgess, Kefro Gnome, Father DeFinistrato, Alexandria Ware von Brunt, Kelly McAdams, Shuby Pathic, Carol Jude, Ollie from the Heart, and Carrie Phillips. Thank you very much. Without you, this show couldn't happen as regularly as it does. Won't you be my neighbor virtually? <laughs> yes. Yeah, not in real life. COVID, hello. <laughs> Keep that shit over there. And as per usual, I have a couple of reviews to read off. The first review I'm going to read off was given August 28th, 2019, a little over a year ago. Five-star review by Vertac. I do believe we have mentioned this particular review before, but I don't know that we've read it in full. So just to be safe, we're doing that. And also, yeah. I think um, this may actually be Alexandria Ware von Brunt that wrote this. Really? Yeah. Go ahead and read it. Well, the title is Great Laughs. They say, I was told about these guys through an acquaintance. Thank you, acquaintance. Thank you very much. <laughs> and was a fan of the show. It makes me laugh even when Josh is being highly inappropriate. Also, Edgar Allan Purr is an awesome name for a cat. Goddamn right it is. I'm always happy anytime anyone mentions the name of my cat. Yeah, that's because... why we have a cat naming perk now. Yeah. Which, by the way, everybody, we have a cat naming perk. Yes. We'll name your cats for the low, low price of $5. I don't know why it's a recurring monthly donation, other than that's just how much... Yeah, names are just subscription-based now. Everything's yes. subscription-based. <laughs> Duh. If you don't continue paying for it, it goes back into the cloud. Yes, if you stop paying for the name, the cat naming services, you have to change the name of your cat to, like, Todd. Yeah, something else that's not taken, that you have to have a unique... We need a unique cat naming system worldwide. <laughs> this is very important, everybody. I think all unnamed cats should just be Todd. <laughs> okay why todd i i don't know it's the first name that came to mind next review so this review was actually written just recently on the first 
At the time of this recording, that's only a week ago. Only a week ago? That would make it new. Yes! Uh, this five-star review was written by Firegrace, titled, I love beer with Buffy. You must subscribe. And you, hey. You must. You must subscribe. You must subscribe. <laughs> I like that word must. Yes. It's very imperative. Yes. It's almost like you're obligated to do it because they said it. Exactly. And I'm going to go ahead and back that up. So the review follows. I've watched Buffy from the start to finish many times. Who knew I could gain new perspective? Rex and Josh are entertaining to listen to. Mom Synopsis, Broody Angel, Nice Guy Xander, and Spikety Spikety Spike. I giggle lots. Raise my brow in interest at their opinions, and then go back and rewatch the episode with totally new perspective. Totally new. I get sad when I run out of episodes, so I have to go back and listen to my favorites. They're addicted to the pain. <laughs> Loving it with Angel so far, I do have to say that I don't enjoy the voicemails. I fast forward through them. Thanks, guys. Cammy. Well, well, we're sorry you don't enjoy the voicemails. Yeah, that's just a great big stuff it to Crystal River Sam there. I mean... To be fair, they are they're a thing that we do mostly because we enjoy them. Yeah. Much like reading the reviews, we do it because we enjoy it. The feedback is good for our psyche and our diminishing returns on mental health in this time of crises. Yeah. And it helps us... Yeah, well put. You brought that together. I wasn't yeah. sure where you were going with it, but you, you sealed it up real nice. It helps us keep going with this show. It... it Creativity is hard these days. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, don't worry about it, because we're not getting all that many voicemails these days anyway. However, you know, there is a cure for not liking the voicemails. You could call in with your own voicemail. With your own voicemail. The whole point is, it makes people say, hey, I want to hear myself on that podcast. And then we do play you on our podcast. And then we've got you. Yeah. And you'll, we'll never let go and you'll always be there. And we'll just be like, I love you and I pet you <laughs> and I squeeze you all day long. And then your eyes pop out and you go, ah! <laughs> we don't want to start popping out eyes. And people are like, I think you overdid it there. And I'm like, but I loved them. <laughs> and then somebody shoots you in the back of the head and you're a real nice classic novel. So yeah, if you would like to send us a voicemail or a text message, you can do so at... <sighs> Someday I'm going to make him write this number down. <laughs> or I'm just going to tattoo it on my own forehead. 269-743-0783. Hey Josh, how about a mom synopsis? I can give you a dad synopsis. I suppose. I, I can give you some sort of parental synopsis. Pare there we go. Parental synopsis. There it is. Here we go. <laughs> Joshua, what are you doing? Oh, just <laughs> spending every waking hour vying for your impossible to acquire approval, Dad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now just calm down. You're very emotional, Joshua. <laughs> of course I'm emotional. I'm masking all this fear of being hurt with anger. What do you have to be so fucking angry about? You're just so closed off and hostile, Dad. How do you think that makes me feel? Ah, <laughs> oh, gosh. You're right. 
all these years, if only I just sat down and tried to process things with an honest, <laughs> open dialogue, maybe just, ah, ew, nope, no, okay, we tried, weird, don't like it. <laughs> You can stop now, Dad. I see your pain now, Joshua. Oh, all these all these years, this is what I've been doing to you. Oh, my God. All right, old man. Joke's over. Thanks. Thanks anyway. Hug me right now, damn you. I finally realized how precious you are. Now, if only you could realize the same thing about yourself. Kill it. Kill it with fire. <laughs> See, now careful what you wish for. <laughs> Ass. <laughs> Gosh, Dad, how poignant of you. Kind of like how Cordelia wanted Angel to be more sensitive <laughs> to other people's feelings. And then she gets her wish because some weird guy, Alan, is hired by Kate's precinct to conduct sensitivity training because a prisoner, little Tony, that Angel helped catch has Wolfram and Hart working his case, who leverage some mild verbal abuse into police brutality as a means of engineering mass hysteria at the precinct, enabling Little Tony to escape. This goes poorly for Little Tony, but helps everyone else work through some repressed emotions, and although not much dignity is left intact, everybody escapes with their lives and jobs, and maybe feeling a little better about their interpersonal relationships. Except Kate's dad. He's yeah. still a dick. <laughs> I was gonna say. Just like you, dad. <laughs> Fuck you, son. Glad we had this chat. <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. Competition is a beautiful thing. Ooh, dear. Cold open. To some guy in an alleyway with duffel bag. Some asshat named Spivey. Yes. I guess that's his Spivey. last name. I don't Maybe. know. Or street name or something. I don't know what the fuck it, so it stands for. Yeah, but. whatever. Don't really care. So she chases his ass through an alley. He does some neat parkour shit, jumping out a window. I liked how long it took for me to realize that it was Kate chasing him. Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't realize till she fucking drop kicked the bastard. <laughs> I expected Angel to definitely be in on it, but I could tell that it was Kate. I mean, as soon as they showed her silhouette. As soon as he, the dude started running, I was expecting Angel to like step out of a shadow and just clothesline the fucker. Right. But anyway, all it amounts to is she catches some asshat named Spivey and takes him downtown for questioning. So now they're downtown. Yeah. This is really brought up by the whole episode, but especially this scene where Kate is arresting this dude. He opened the car door and she fucking flying kicked him in the back and he slammed into the car door. Sure. Okay. Now this is portrayed as like a badass cop moment. I don't know about you. I have some feelings about watching this kind of shit given... The goings on in the world. Right. I mean, she does more than a couple of questionable things throughout the show, especially like when she shot at Angel when he was trying to run away. I'm pretty sure that's not protocol. Yeah. Like, I. And it's not just this show. Like, many shows, especially 
early 2000s, late 90s shows that involve cops. I've been having a lot of issues watching them with all the goings on. It kind of glorifies police brutality a little bit. Yeah. And there's a bit of that in this. And it, like, bothers me a a little. Okay, it bothers me a lot. (laughs) I don't know if I'll ever get get it back that I'm okay with watching shit like this. I mean, I feel like you'd never really see a singular cop chasing somebody down like this anyway. Like there would be a team on it. You wouldn't have one detective out there doing her own legwork. Yeah. But I don't know. It reality currently makes me think a lot deeper about seeing any sort of police anything on TV these days. Just I just wanted to put it out there. Okay. Yeah, I mean since we know the character and like we know that the bad guy is definitely a bad guy, I definitely just look at it more as a like if a superhero kicked a supervillain into a car door, we wouldn't be like, well, now that's a violation of his rights. We'd be like, yeah, the fucker deserved it. I mean, so yeah, that's just kind of how I look at it, because it's not adhering in any way to real police standards. Yeah, it's just a TV show and we definitely need to learn where that line is. But it's it is gray and fuzzy as hell. More importantly, I think real cops need to learn where that line is. Yeah, that too. So they're downtown. She's trying to work this guy over and he's being a real (laughs) dick about it. Yep. But I mean, well, also when they walk away, she's like, you have the right to remain silent, but I don't recommend it. And all I could think was, I absolutely do recommend it. Actually, because cops are not on your side. No. Ever. There's no reason that that he should cooperate. That makes me think, do you recall when marijuana first became legal in Colorado, I think was the first state. But when it first became legal, there was this ad that was going around the internet of these two lawyers who were smoking pot on camera. And they're talking to the camera. And one is just saying, what do you do when the cops stop you for this? And the other lawyer responds with, shut Shut the the fuck fuck up. up. Yeah. But what do you do? You shut the fuck up. Definitely. You don't tell the police anything. Mm-hmm. Because their job is literally to take anything you say and use it against you in any way, shape, or form. Yes. And we've actually already had this same conversation on the podcast um, not that well, long ago. I don't ago. remember. <laughs> so, like within a season ago. So let's get back to the part where she's working the guy so she's working the guy and she's investigating the murder of a county supervisor she mentions to spivey that she's looking for little tony she's like oh you haven't seen little tony since this supervisor dude disappeared huh that's weird (laughs) (laughs) it's like i hoid it was suicide all kinds of weird stuff happens around these parts you hear you know sometimes people have a little concrete foot soak, and then go for a night swim in the river. <laughs> How'd they even get there? <laughs> Nobody sees them hippity-hopping along the road for three hours, foist. <laughs> what a world we live in. Oh, man. You know, I recently watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and that just fits right in there. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, he's like, I heard it was suicide. And she says, Supervisor Caffrey shot himself in the back of the head wrapped himself in plastic, and he locked himself in the trunk of his car? Weird, I know. Unfortunate (laughs) things happen. Yeah. No, his response is even better than that. He says, he's been depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Like, kudos for sticking to your story, I guess. (laughs) 
sometimes, you know, you just gotta go through a lot of trouble to set things up to look funny. It's your way of saying goodbye. That's what we do. You're in the mafia. Wait, you're so you admit that you're in the mafia? What? I didn't say that. Gaslighting at its finest. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, he's not very cooperative past this point. Kate gets a little rough. She's pulled out of the room by some co-workers. He's like, eh, we should have gotten you out of there hours ago. And she's like, oh, but she's never going to talk. Well, then little Tony is as good as gone. If we can't find him, I don't know anybody else who can. Smash cut to the man who can. Yeah. Guess what? His name happens to be the title of the show. Yes. And cut to a sewer where Angel is killing some sort of eldritch horror with tentacles. It's a hentai demon, I think. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. I mean, there's there's tentacles. We all know what tentacles do. Flappity, flappity, flappity. <laughs> He's fighting the thing, and luckily Doyle, Doyle comes right in with... <laughs> God damn it, I broke. Stop it! <laughs> Doyle comes in with a, an enchanted sword that he got just in the nick of time. Just in the nick of time. Not in the frank of time. <laughs> Not in the Sam time, but the Nick time. Yeah. Nick's way better with time than Sam. <laughs> Sam's a dick, really. I don't talk to him anymore. <laughs> Always go to Nick for time issues. Yeah, that's probably a better call. Yeah. He definitely He's a very punctual sort. Yeah. He, <laughs> he definitely makes enchanted swords on Sunday. So Angel gets the enchanted sword. You know what else he makes on Sunday? What? <laughs> Children's cereal. I'm deadly, deadly too! Uh, I don't think so, Josh. With little marshmallows and they're rainbow shaped. And <laughs> all the little colors of the rainbow. And they're like charms and they're lucky for you. Anyway, moving on, <laughs> Angel gets the enchanted sword, chops off a tentacle, and stabs the beast, which happens to be in the ceiling. And the beast is like, hey, <laughs> ow, I'm just trying to live in the sewer, man. I can't even live in the sewer. God, my lips are really chapped, you guys. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Fucking hate that movie. I know you do. Uh, anyway... Uh, Angel makes quick work of the slicey dicey. Yep. Tells Cordy and Doyle to cut off all the appendages and chop it up. Make sure you do a full dismemberment this time. Yeah. None of that half-assed dismemberment shit. Look, if Angel is paying you for dismemberment, you fucking do dismemberment properly. Right. Is he, though? I feel like that's kind of the problem here. <laughs> you know, you're not wrong. He's a little... He's got some pretty high expectations just for a little bit of exposure here. Yeah. Well, I mean, Angel is a bit terse. Laconic, if you will. Yes. And uh, marches out of the room. He's just done with it. And Cordy is a bit... Perturbed? I was going to say verklempt. Oh, okay, sure. A bit verklempt in Angel's rudeness and goes on a very long, clueless rant about Angel's cluelessness. Yeah, I mean, it's more clueless that Doyle is getting choked out by a tentacle demon in the background. <laughs> flappity, flappity. <laughs> oh, God. 
Use my tentacle sound effects. Oh, this is going to be one of those episodes, huh? <laughs> so. I don't think I'm prepared for they this. They comically cut to commercial break <sighs> while Doyle's getting choked out. And Cordelia's yep. like, oh, he is so clueless. Yep. Hey, there's a movie called Clueless. Was Charisma Carpenter in that movie? No. Okay. No. She would have fit perfectly, though. Yeah. She could have definitely pulled that off. Huh. Uh, opening credits. <laughs> and I will have to say, I'm a violin. Yeah, I'm all about the. I'm all about the opening credits now. It finally, like this was the this was the moment that it, they truly like won me over. They started up. I'm like, fuck yeah! It's time for Angel. Oh yeah! It only took six episodes. Hey, that's not know, bad, frankly. Uh, honest. Hey. I was I was here for it though. It's only a quarter like, of the season. I mean, the show got me before this. The well, opening yeah. credits though, they were just they took a little longer because I was used to Buffy. I had the same experience with the Deep Space 9 opening sequence. I hated it for a while and then I was like, "You know what? I really like oh, it now." Yeah. Yeah. So we're in the office at Angel Investigations. Cordy and Doyle returned from their grisly task covered in green slime. Immediately, quote of the day, right out of the gate here with Cordy, she says, Does giant tentacle spew come out with dry cleaning? Oh, dear. And <laughs> you know what? Probably. Dry cleaning is some magical shit, mind you. Right? You know, I feel like Cordelia's tolerance for gross shit is really going through the roof here because when she gets back, her immediate priority is not... Ew, 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 gross shit in my hair, ew, ew, ew. And also smeared on her forehead and in her clothes. Like, Like she she is slimed. She's outright slimed. She's been slimed, definitely. This is fascinating. I need a sample. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she is worried about getting it out of her clothes, but higher priority is dealing with Angel's terseness. Because she refuses to have further dealings with Angel until he shows a little more sensitivity immediately shuts him down as he's like trying to just tell her hey your mom called you might want to call her back right so just some highlights from their conversation she's like it is possible to brood and show a little interest in the feelings of others i don't know that i agree with you cordy (laughs) (laughs) yeah brooding is pretty uh it's pretty inward it's a very self-reflective thing but i see where she's going with it Angel looks over to Doyle. He's like, what the fuck is going on? I'm just getting blindsided by this shit. And Doyle's like, well, she thinks that you're insensitive. And uh, not to bring up the irony, but considered a source. Which I mean, yeah. I like the way he puts it. Because, I mean, she absolutely could be considered guilty of being a little insensitive herself. Or, you know, a lot guilty. Look at the last episode where her big claim to fame was being the bitch. Right? Yeah. Self-proclaimedly. And so he's like, so I'm a little reserved. It doesn't mean I don't care. And she's like, it's like you don't have a pulse. I don't. He's a vampire. Phrasing. I mean, for fuck's sake, he's a vampire. You have, he's not eating you. (laughs) What more do you need? Seriously. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I've had this argument so many times. <laughs> we're men. We're clueless. All right. If we're here, that means we like you. Yeah. So I don't know what other kind of oh, validation God. you're expecting here. So like, okay, I, this is. I'm just gonna say this for 
general audience, if another person is sticking around long enough for you to complain to them on a semi-regular basis about anything, then that means that that person gives a shit. Yeah. Because... So don't take that for granted, because if you act like they don't give a shit long enough, eventually, they won't. Yeah. I So many times that I've been friends with people and in relationships with people and they're like oh you don't care it's like i'm fucking here for you to complain at me about how you think i don't care if that doesn't say i care i honestly don't know what else to do yeah getting a bit of a feedback loop here it's a little uh it's a little rough so kate dressed as a large pitcher of kool-aid calmly enters the office And inquires politely of the logistics of installing a breakaway brick wall as an alternative office entrance. Because, (laughs) frankly, it's kind of racist that they only have a door for normal people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't see that coming, did you? I got nothing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I just Kool-Aid no, man to Rex's brain. I just <laughs> got this image of a giant fucking Kool-Aid man, like politely knocking out the door on the door, going, "Excuse me, but oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> do you have a Kool-Aid man entrance?" <laughs> um, I can't fit. <laughs> the brick walls over there, asshole. Oh. That's so condescending. Why has it always got to be a brick wall? Do you know how hard this is? You know, sometimes I like plaster. Sometimes. You never thought to ask, though, did you? You insensitive fucks. I don't want to share my feelings. I don't want to open up. I want to find the guy that killed Tina. And I want to look him in the eye. Then what? Then I'm going to share my feelings. So. Oh, man. All right. (laughs) So the two laconic individuals, Kate Uh. and Angel, of course, make their way into Angel's office with scarcely more than three words each. Angel uh, offers her oh, coffee. Yeah. Oh, she's like, Angel, do you have a minute? He's like, sure, coffee? She's like, no, I'm good. That's the whole conversation. She's obviously had their coffee before. Right? Like- <laughs> so definitely quote of the day here, though, from Cordy. As Angel and Kate go into his office within the office, his office office, if yeah, you will. Yeah, his actual office. His actu- yeah, I just like calling it his office office. His automatic teller machine machine <sighs> office office pin number <laughs> irregardless <laughs> sometimes i wonder why we're still friends <laughs> i'm working on it man just... <laughs> you eventually wear me down to where i'm just like i'm done damn right fuck this <laughs> i never thought you were gonna say yes to the podcast <laughs> it's a hell of a commitment anyway so Cordy says as they go into the office office she says Mr. and Mrs. Spock need to mind meld now and I just thought that was really clever I think she's a closet geek 
Well, she dated Xander. She did. And I'm sorry, but there is no amount of dating somebody that some of their interest doesn't rub on you. Right? Like, well, this isn't the first time that she's made a geek culture reference. Oh, no. I mean, just a moment ago, she said something about Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. I didn't get that whole speech. I didn't really feel like we needed it, but... No, well, she just specifically said she was listing off things that she didn't care about. On the list, she mentioned Jar Jar Binks getting a talk show, (laughs) which, oh, God, please no. (laughs) But yeah, fun fact, this came out the same year that Phantom Menace came out. I was thinking, man, that must have been really close. It would have had Uh, to... Phantom Menace came out. I looked it up. Phantom Menace came out in May. This episode aired in November. Okay. That makes more so sense. So that's a then. pretty like new reference. So, you know, good on them for like new material. Yeah, they were definitely on top of it for the time. But yeah. It's uh, still shit that ends up dating itself. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. I don't like pop culture references. Back to the office office. <laughs> <laughs> it's catching I on. almost made it with a straight face. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Kate is hiring Angel to find little Tony. Yes. And pay him for it. Yeah. As you insinuated by saying hired. Yeah, of course. And he only resists slightly. Right. And she's like, hey, just here's my direct number. Call me directly if you find anything. And he he's like, oh, you don't want a reputation for working outside the force? And she's like, no, I don't want a reputation for getting people dead. Yeah, she doesn't. Well, he's not a people, but she doesn't know that yet. Well, yeah, she doesn't know he's not a people. And also, she specifically just doesn't want him to do any above and beyond shit because he's not a policeman. Right. Like, he's a private investigator. You can only legally do so much as a private investigator. Once we, like, find out the circumstances and everything, it's obvious she hired him with her own actual money. Oh, yeah. She definitely did not want any paper trail on this. Yeah, there is no above-boardness about this at all. But, you know, whatever. I mean, she's just being resourceful. Yeah, good on her. I don't see anything morally wrong with it, but she's definitely doing some questionable outsourcing. It's a legal gray area because she doesn't take proper steps to keep Angel from actually engaging into the situation. She tells him not to, but she doesn't take any other steps outside of like, hey, don't. I mean, I'm not sure what else she could have done, but we'll get to that in a moment. So a little time later, we have a dramatic sun setting or rising transition when we're still at the (laughs) office. Cordy and Doyle are in research mode. Angel's trying, actually trying, to be a little more sensitive to Cordelia. And she's not having any of it. <laughs> she sums it up pretty well. Lame. <laughs> to be fair, Angel was mighty awkward. <laughs> hey, uh, Cordelia, I you know it, it sucks doing sucky things. That sure does sound sucky. Gosh, if I had to do those sucky things, I sure wouldn't handle them quite like you do. We... In this scene, Angel will be played by Morty. (laughs) (laughs) And or Mr. Poopy Butthole. (laughs) So, yeah, Angel sucks at being sensitive, but uh, what makes her think that going into business with Angel is going to be such a great source of emotional validation for fuck's sake? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I'm thinking the fault's a little on her in this. It's, It's on both of them, sure, but you get bit by a snake... 
It's what were like, you doing? If you, if you picked the snake up and yeah. tried to hug it and it bites you, it's not the snake's fault. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Doyle found some info on body parts washing up on the or Cordelia did. Uh, they washed up in a very in specific areas and times. So Angel gets the brilliant idea, and it is actually a brilliant idea to check times for tide. He wants ocean flow charts for the last ten months. Yeah. You can actually do this. Like, you could go online right now mm-hmm. and, like, calculate where bodies are dropped. Oh, my. No, it, it's fascinating shit. I've fallen down this rabbit hole, like, a few years back. I don't remember why. I think I was probably watching Dexter. Nothing weird about that. Um, yeah, that's that's what <laughs> I was thinking about. I'm like, man, Dexter would have been fucked. Right. Then this is a thing real police today do. When they find a body, they can actually trace the flow of water to find out where it went into the water. Hmm. It's fascinating forensic shit, man. Good to know. Because it's fascinating. Yes. Not for any other reason. <laughs> Certainly no practical use for that knowledge whatsoever. Yeah, it's 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 not remotely important information with the fact that we live in an area that has a lot of lakes. That is correct. Has nothing to do with that. Yeah, lakes don't have flows. <laughs> Not a one. <laughs> anyway, cut to the precinct. We meet Kate's dad, who's also a cop. Big surprise. Right? He's That's re- not a common trope or anything. Yeah. Speaking of Dexter. Right? I just couldn't stop thinking about Dexter's sister throughout this episode. So her dad's retiring. Turns out he might be a bit laconic, too. Who knew? Yeah. He's downplaying his retirement party and tells her not to go to any trouble to do a speech at his party. I don't understand why she'd even tell him that she's going to do a speech. Just fucking do the speech. Right. Let it be a nice little surprise. Maybe he has a very specific negative response to surprises. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Have you met the fucker? I just did, and yeah. That, that would track. But yeah, he's the kind of person that can't take a goddamn compliment. Right. Which is annoying enough as it is, but he's clearly got some deeper issues than that. He's very emotionally repressed. And if you couldn't read between the lines of dialogue, the sad piano overtones will tell you there's trouble in this relationship. Yeah, she got some daddy issues. Wah, wah, wah. And this is why the opening sequence has a violin in it <laughs> for all the sadness and the broodiness yeah that <laughs> god damn it daddy don't you see how <laughs> broody kate is oh man that's a whole nother layer right so uh, so a phone call saves the awkwardness of the situation angel is on the other line he found tony And he's sitting at the docks, watching him from a bit of a distance. She tells him to get the fuck out, and she'll get to him first, and they hang up. And Angel does exactly the opposite of what Kate said. And to be fair, I think he made the right call. I mean, yeah, like, he stopped him from escaping. And that's important. Well, so... So we're at the docks now fully. We're not just on a phone call seeing Angel at the docks. We transition and he sees this boat speeding towards the docks and we can hear little Tony saying, and take care of my plants, will you? And and talk to them because they really like that. (laughs) 
Um, Some ridiculous shit. But it's clear that he's about to, like, fuck off for good. Angel watches a boat pull up. And, gee, I wonder if he's about to get more involved than she wanted him to. And uh, suddenly... Cue vaudeville Angel, specifically. <laughs> <laughs> so Angel sidles up to Tony and his bodyguard wearing Hawaiian shirt. And I just... I'm sorry, I couldn't <laughs> couldn't really hear anything they said after after that. I mean, he does some things, uh, and well, he's he, talking to them, but I can't really hear him over the shirt. It's just a little <laughs> too loud in there. It actually took me several beats to recognize Angel. <laughs> because the shirt and hat were so out of character. Yeah, I was like, what's <laughs> Willie doing here? I didn't know Doyle was in on this. Xander? He, he stepped what? up, and I literally was like, who the fuck is that? I thought you were running a fucking ice cream truck, Xander. <laughs> but no, uh, someone really needs to go in there and turn that shirt down a bit. I think the audio engineers fucked up a wee bit when they let that shit onto the set. They, uh, I mean, also... They, they said they'd fix it in post, <laughs> and they just never got around to it. So we'll just never know what they say in this scene. But also, I have some major questions as to why Xander left one of his shirts in Angel's car. I think we got a little bit of a little bit of Zangel, yeah, fan fiction going like, on here. Or Ander, Ange, on Gander, Zangel. On, I think Zangel works better. On Gander, on Blitzen, <laughs> on Donner, Zangel on definitely works better. <laughs> Zangel works better. Yeah, but yeah, this is definitely weird <laughs> and out of place well i'm assuming that it's actually doyle's clothes okay yeah that track or that he just yeah. keeps a disguise in his trunk for these possible occasions <laughs> but who the fuck has a hat like that i mean they're in la i mean but like, i would expect it more in miami per se right like but. This is we're talk this is a straw I'm about to sing in a barber shop quartet hat. Dodson, we got Dodson here. <laughs> See, nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that fucking guy. Yeah. By the way, nice hat. I do want to say though that uh David Boreanis here in this short little bit of scene, when you can hear him over his shirt ever so slightly. Yeah, no, um, no, we never hear anything that they ever said, Rex. I um, he manages to pull off a pretty solid uh, Irish Boston accent. See, you, you must have just found a really good lip sync reader. <laughs> a lip sync reader that was in a Boston accent? Yes. <laughs> was he going for a Boston accent? It was very Irish Boston. I mean, I don't know. I couldn't hear... <laughs> I don't know if that's what he was going for, but that's what it sounded like. I figured he was going for bad Irish again. Not that I would know. But I think, uh, as we said in previous episode, being around Glenn Quinn has definitely improved David Boreanaz's Irish accent. Well, it's at the very least shamed him into trying something else. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so the cops pull up just after a brawl breaks out with Angel and Tony and his gang because they're like, I don't like this guy. I really liked his shtick when he sidled up here because he's like, <laughs> hey, there's like a tour going on here or something, right? Yeah, every two hours a boat shows up. Yeah. 
it was fantastic. They were very confused, <laughs> and that worked to his advantage. I was surprised that he made it up there without them noticing. That was the impressive right? part. So anyway, they're kicking each other's ass, and the cops pull up, and I'm like, oh, shit, they got there faster than I expected. I do want to note that they showed up before the boat got there. They did. So, like, Angel, your job was, like... You didn't need to interfere. Yeah, he at didn't all. even need to interfere. And also, he gave really good directions for being pre Google Maps. Well, he gave the direct address, and they have an atlas at the, at the precinct. I guess. I don't know. Being able to deploy that many police officers that quickly. That yeah, was it was very impressive. It was it pretty was impressive. Very impressive. I think it was a little unrealistically impressive. Yeah. And so they quickly arrest little Tony. Yeah, unfortunately, he didn't need to dress like a road flare at all. <laughs> I fucking loved that line. That That's one of my quotes of the day. Angel says, I had to do something. I mean, he was getting away. So you decided to dress like a road flare and put my <laughs> ass and yours on the line. And I'm like, that is just a really apt oh, description. It, it really is. Uh, but yeah, Kate is pissed at Angel for engaging in the situation. And I still still couldn't quite hear her over the drunken, unruly nanny that strangely was localized directly around Angel. But right, you know, we got the gist of it. Yeah, you could read some lips slightly. Yeah, uh, although reading lips was even a little impeded by the brightness. And I had to turn on the subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But even the subtitles were <laughs> hidden under big flashing words that were saying, he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. I need a moment. <laughs> every now and then. Every, every now and then. You managed to hold on to a joke <laughs> for such a longer time than I think is warranted. That, like, and I'm so determined through most of it to like hold hold my my stoicism. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna do it. But you just you hold out longer than I can. <laughs> I love me a running gag. And then I'm like, oh, okay, we're past it. And then you bring it back. And I just can't fucking deal. Destroying Rex. One episode at a time. Welcome to Ale with oh, Angel. A, a subsidiary of Beer with Buffy. Oh. God, this scene is almost over and we're almost <laughs> past his very loud shirt. I'm done. Are you done? What's the last oh. thing we said besides? Uh, yeah, Kate was pissed at him for engaging, mad about his shirt. Little Tony was going to escape by the boat. He had to intervene. Um, She's like, yeah, I'll I'll come up with a story. Just get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and then the last bit we get in this scene is uh, little Tony staring Angel down as they drive away in the car. Yep, he's pretty pissed. And thank Christ, from this moment on... Angel sticks to his normal broody colored shirts. Mostly black leather and whips and chains. Noticed he wears a lot of purple, though. Huh. Yeah, the color of royalty. Good for him. Yeah. A person needs certain designer things. 
my friend's brains. Hey, you're a vampire. So we cut to the precinct where Tony is being booked and he wants his phone call. He sure does. I have a quote of the day here. Do you go right ahead? It's Kate's line that's the quote, but Tony cues her up perfectly. Tony says, if I'd known how bad you wanted me, I might have let you catch me a little sooner. Well, if I'd known how badly you needed the exercise, I might have let you run a little longer. Ouch! Ooh, burn! Ooh! She got the zingers! As somebody who has gained 15 pounds over the COVID lockdown, ouch! As somebody who at one point lost 20 pounds over the COVID lock- <laughs> lockdown. Ha ha. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, it's not quite that number anymore. I don't know. I've been right. afraid to weigh myself. So uh, No, that's fair. I'm afraid every time I do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cut to Wolfram and Hart. Yeah, so Wolfram and Hart is Tony's lawyer. and What? Wolfram and Hart is, to- is Tony's lawyer. Oh, okay. That's what I said, right? It was a little jumbled. Whatever. Wolfram is heart is Tony's lawyer. See, you and keep saying Wolfram is heart. I said Wolfram, Wolfram and heart. heart. Wolfram and heart. Should I slur my search? Yes. Should I slur you don't need my, permission. my words more? Please do. Well done. <sighs> Today's episode brought to you by the letter flurb. <laughs> No, so they're talking about a thorn removal, which that thorn happens to be Kate. And Tony develops him a grudge. Yeah, a little bit of a grudge, definitely. The, I, I love this Wolfram and Hart lawyer. He's all like, yes, we've received word of a certain thorn in your side. We have certain reason to believe that she will be removed <laughs> permanently. So so now we're playing a drinking game where <laughs> you have to phrase everything as a darkly insinuating question now and then laugh mischievously afterwards. I mean, that's in their employment contract there. <laughs> in an interrogation room, uh, Wolfram and Hart are petitioning to have little Tony removed from this precinct and put in another precinct. Due to allegations of abuse by Kate. Yeah, which is some bullshit. But then she says some dumb things that are a little hot-headed for this type of a meeting. And they put it on the record. And it ends up having consequences a little bit later that make this episode what it is. Yep. But because she like, flies off the handle... Because Tony says some creepy shit about Kate's mouth, and the lawyer has it stricken from the record, and then she's like, fuck you, I'll mop the jizz off from Hobo Alley with your ass hair, you fucking porker. And they're like, well, that was a little graphic. (laughs) (laughs) And so he's like, now, now, Miss Hot Pants. You'll be careful or I will shine a spotlight right in this police station's pooper hose, right into its swampy, <laughs> unkempt colon. <laughs> and then I will spit in it and put my own poop in there. Um, 
Wait, let me try that again in a German you, accent. Oh, God. <laughs> you so, went in a much <laughs> dirtier place so, than the show actually went, though. So Mercer's response is like, now, now, Miss oh, Hot Pants, you be careful or I will shine a spotlight right into this police station's pooper hose, right into its swampy, unkempt colon, and then I will spit in it and put my own poop in there. And then what will you do? Nothing. Nothing. That is fat. That is simultaneously more absurd <laughs> and more threatening <laughs> right? uh, in a German accent. Yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> I need to start keeping notes on what accents I had in mind when I wrote things. Yeah, that's like, a good call. I couldn't remember for a minute. I wish I could do more accents. I think at one time, one time I managed one good Irish accent. I would like put the poop sentence. in your pooper. Isn't that where it goes? No, you do not put somebody else's poop <laughs> in somebody else's pooper. Fun fact, though, if you have uh, <laughs> digestive issues, you can actually cure those digestive issues by having someone else's poop put in your yeah, pooper. It's called a poop transplant, yeah. actually. You only do it if it is for medicine. Yeah. It's a poop transplant. I I have uh, stomach issues, so probably about 10, 15 years down the line, I will probably be getting someone else's poop in me. <laughs> uh, interesting. You know, I feel like I have digestive issues sometimes, and I was wondering, like, maybe I should pitch that idea to my doctor. Be like, think I should get a poop transplant just to see the look on his face. Because... <laughs> You it only works if you say it as enthusiastically as possible. Hey Doc, I was thinking a, I'd really like a poop transplant. I would love for you to just take someone's poop and put it right up in And me. if you could just turkey baster that shit right into me. I think it'd be a good day. Oh god, turkey baster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that is some bad imagery. Oh, fucking quit that. <laughs> Turkey baster. Okay. Full poop. Right um, in your pooper. All right. So, I'm sure glad we didn't skip that scene. <laughs> I feel dirty. <laughs> you should. <laughs> So, yeah, he plays all of his his dirty, dirty lawyer tricks. That's how dirty you should feel, because these are dirty lawyers. Yeah. that's That was the double entendre here. Cut to Angel's office, where Angel has a pensiver. Well, Angel's all pensive, and Cordy's like, you're very pensive. He's like, I'm always pensive. And she's like, well, fine, you have a pensive-er face. He's, and he does kind of have a pensive-er face. He's pensiver than he's normally pensive. Of. And she's like, oh, but you don't notice important things like the new shoes I have. Then Doyle walks in and is like, hey, Cordy, nice new shoes. So, you know, win for Doyle. Angel's pensive. Cordy's got new shoes. And Doyle confirms word on the street. Papazian is planning something. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's about it. There it is. Anyway, cut to the bar, which is not, sadly, the bronze. The blue bar. Just say it with me once. Da, da blue, blue bar. bar. 
Yeah, that's giving me blue uh, balls. I don't know. Yeah, it's just not satisfying <laughs> exactly. enough. Exactly. I can't no. get no the bronze. That. Yeah. <laughs> Kate goes into the bar. It's obviously a cop bar. You can tell by all the fact by the fact that there are all the cops there. She walks up to the bar. Oh, she doesn't need to pay for a drink. Her dad paid for a drink. Yeah, and I thought this was his shindig. Turns out it's not his shindig yet. It's just a cop bar, I guess. Oh, Um, that's why they call it the blue bar. Oh. oh. (laughs) That's clever, actually. (laughs) Okay. But I legitimately did not think of it before that. That's funny. So he's paid for everyone's drinks. And yeah, ugh, classic closed off, emotionally dead control freak dad. Yeah. So the boss guy swings by and uh, slaps a memo down in front of Kate. And I mean, Christ, don't these people ever stop working? Right. But uh, who the fuck brings a memo to a bar? bar. Exactly. But apparently, they have to do ugh. some sensitivity training. And Kate's yeah. dad, of course, is like. Back in my day, they beat us when we were insensitive, and we liked it because it was the only physical affection we ever got. And then they beat us some more because they could tell that we liked it. And they were right to beat us because we were all wussies, and then we beat each other up. And if there was an odd number, (laughs) one of us would have to beat ourselves up, but it worked out fine. Just fine. I turned out just fine. Hey, uh, Trevor, your stereotype is showing. Trevor? Yeah, that's his name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're not In- dissimilar to my stereotypical father figure character at all. <laughs> Man, if it hadn't been for the fact that you had made him episodes ago, you would actually, think whole seasons ago. You would think that I based him on this yeah. character. Yeah. Seriously. But I didn't. He's just a pervasive stereotype. And then, of course, we cut to sensitivity training sensitivity training you were a little too hard on like i just i was feeling a little aggression from you when you the way you said it i felt like you were almost pushing towards sarcasm actually so if you could just calm down just be calm that's not your calm face rex i'll wait i'll wait for the calm face okay (laughs) i first off a Anger management does not work for my disorder, but B is mostly a fucking joke. Not surprising. And this whole fucking scene of sensitivity training. I mean, the guy seems like he's got some solid therapy chops. Yeah. But I think it's funny that like Kate really doesn't fall far from the tree here. I've been in group therapy. Fuck group therapy. Fuck it. Group therapy is the worst kind of therapy. Right in the tit. Yeah. Yes. Sensitivity training is important, especially when you have people like cops who they're dealing with the worst kind of people constant. Like their whole day is filled with the shittiest possible people on the planet. And now they have to come into a classroom and listen to some twaffle wearing a tweed jacket and jeans talk down to them. And he's like, All right, now everyone just look at this stick. This is the emotion stick. It's designed specifically for toxic jerkbags, much like yourself. The crooked handle goes right in your butt for optimal discomfort. (laughs) (laughs) 
You there. Heath, <laughs> is that what it says on your name tag? You look the most closed off. I'm still going to use the name Heath as if I know you, though. Also, I'm just going to say he's Officer Cliff. Officer Cliff. Okay. Yeah, Heath Cliff. Heath Cliff. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Officer Heathcliff, you look the most closed off. So let's just start with your butt. So your brothers beat you, your parents neglected you, and you have pent-up resentment. Now, go ahead and heal right here in front of all your peers who will very certainly make fun of you immediately for it. Now, and Kate chimes up. She's like, you're a mom fucker. He wants to fuck his own ma'am. Alan's like, what would you say to your mom now if she were here? And Kate chimes up from the fucking background. Will you marry me? <laughs> Oedipus, like, am I right? Like, okay. Am I right? Oedipus? I want to say A. He fucked his mom. That was a good joke. But B, <laughs> I mean, come on. Right? Like, <sighs> of all the people in that room, I feel like Kate is the least toxic masculinity type. Right. But it works for the story of the episode. It does. And, and kind of. I have a lot of mixed feelings about this scene. Like, on one hand, I'm like, oh, God, I fucking hate this hokey, overly soft therapy bullshit because I've gotten so much of that in my life. Right. But, like, therapy is good. Well, it was supposed to be. Yeah, it is. And it was supposed to feel cheesy, but I also felt like. He hit the nail on the head pretty quick. Right. Like, honestly, I wish therapy was that concise. <laughs> no shit. I wish therapists were that active and forthcoming about their theories about what's going on instead of just letting you flounder around and talk through shit. Because I've been going to therapy for a while and I feel like sometimes I get that kind of stuff. But most of the time he's just like, okay. Go on. Go on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but anyway, we needed some kind of hook to get um, Kate involved with Alan here. So she makes a ridiculous comment that was admittedly kind of funny, but also, you know, not a great way to foster the trust that Alan is trying to make happen. And all they want to do is get through this fucking class. Like, everybody just deal with it and get through this class. But yeah, the therapist zeroes in on her and he's he's like, oh, your inappropriate sarcasm is and just completely tears her down. He's Yeah, it's masking anger. And you know what anger is? It's just fear, fear of being hurt, fear of loss. You've been hurt, haven't you, Kate? I have a question, Josh. Is it anything is, to do with Yoda? No. Damn. But... Does your inappropriate sarcasm mask these things? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> because, oh. I mean, you are highly inappropriate. Highly inappropriate. Thank you and very much. So, like, Kate is unquestionably channeling you here. Oh, like, thank you, Kate. You can channel me any day. <laughs> there is some... Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, timey wimeyness going on stuff. here with cause and effect. Yeah, but Kate is definitely channeling you specifically. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to channel your time, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> I got some chocolate sauce here. If you want to uh, timey wimey that right up your wibbly wobbly 
Pooper duper. (laughs) (laughs) Chocolate hurricane, anybody? (sighs) Anyway, moving on. Nobody? No, nobody. Anyone? Nobody. No. No. Dust. No. Anybody? No? No. Dust. Uh, It's a reference to Little Britain. Oh. All you Little Britain fans out there should get that. Especially those of you that are actually... I don't don't know. Is Little Britain popular in Britain? I don't know if it... I think it aired on the BBC. I don't know what it it is off the top of my head. It's a sketch comedy show. Two guys... Sketch comedy is so hit and miss, I, I very rarely ever watch it. It's Well, if you'd ever watch shows that I tell you to watch, you would have seen it. I sometimes Sometimes, do. occasionally. Hey, I watched fucking uh, Better Call Saul because of you. Oh, yeah, see? You're welcome. I don't see Angel putting on tights. Oh, now I do, and it's really disturbing. Protecting young women such as yourself? Oh, yeah, there's been... Uh, Four. And three of them are very much alive. Cut to somewhere in LA. Doyle and Angel are talking to Johnny Red, who is exercising on a ski type thingy. It's a very 90s workout. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And he's wearing the tracksuit and everything. It couldn't get more stereotypical thug, mobster, mafia. Right italian guy than this moment right here they decipher quickly that little tony is going after kate that's pretty much the whole scene yeah i did like that the dude overheard this because they all go to the same gym so like there's a gym out there that all the mafia guys go to yeah and that's just fucking amazing just a stereotypical mobster (laughs) bar but also he's exercising at his own place while talking about going to a gym. Yeah. What like, the fuck is that about? Like, Why do you have a gym membership? And also, why is he still so fat if he exercises that much? <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Moving on. Back to the precinct. Angel shows up and Kate apologizes to him. She apologizes for not thanking him for helping her catch Tony. Yep. And then she asks him to come to her dad's retirement party at the bar. In a very date-like fashion. It is a bit date-like. Yeah. I'm like, ah, uh, ah, uh, somebody likes Angel. Well, specifically what makes it a date-like fashion is how she asked, and after she asked, she mentions about being nervous about asking him. Yeah, definitely. And the way she phrases it tells me that like she wants, she wants a piece of that. Very quite possibly. I and, have another theory. But also, who can blame her? Have you seen David Boreanaz? Right? Definitely. I have another theory, but we'll say that when we get there. Yeah. So Angel's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go to your stupid party. By the way, I think you're in a lot of danger. And little Tony is taking out a contract on your head. She's like, well, shit. You know, Angel, if you had just popped out of the shadows and been like, Kate, you're in trouble. (laughs) She'd have gotten it. Kate, there's a problem. (laughs) you perfected it with buffy just carry it on man. there we go we have to call her katie though katie there's a problem yeah there you go the same syllables as buffy that way yeah oh anyway so this is where we realize that something's a little off with kate yeah because he's like yeah he wants you dead 
She's like, oh, I, I get that. I'm just saying he must be in some kind of pain to strike out at <laughs> others in that way. <sighs> and she, I mean, she's not she's probably not wrong. She's not wrong. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, every person that you think is a shitty person, they don't think that they're a shitty person. Everything that everybody does. Oh, my God. I'm actually quoting a fucking televangelist that I saw yesterday accidentally at the <sighs> bar. But that's the problem with televangelists is they're not necessarily wrong about things they say. They just have to tie it all in with Jesus. Right. And then ask you for money. But anyway. Honestly, no, the the asking for money part is the area I have the biggest problem with. We need your money to give to Jesus and then we're going to buy a really huge house. But I digress. That being said, hey, check out our Patreon. Patreon.beerwithbuffy.com <laughs> Great tie-in. Hey! Good God. Anyway. That's where the joke was. Yeah. Everything that everybody does makes perfect sense to them. Yep. And sure, you know, you can run down that rabbit hole all day. Right. Like, but eventually you have to reach a point where you accept that that it's not your responsibility or your problem, and everybody really needs to take responsibility for their own failings at the end of the day. I was taught very young to basically take care of your own house. Basically, focus on your own bullshit. Definitely. So, Kate assures herself that she'll be back to her own usual level of cynicism in no time. And with a raised eyebrow from Angel, we cut over to the Wolferman Hart Mansion layer thingy. Where we see the lawyer guy from earlier, Mercer. Yes has apparently hired this sensitivity training guy, Alan, to get to Kate specifically. He's got a big altar set up. There's, like, incense and, I don't know, skulls. Lots of ridiculous shit. You know, altery type stuff. And some yeah. red, red lighting. It makes it very clear that this has got some sketchy, otherworldly shit going on here. So, do you recall Doug Fargo from Eureka? Yes, now I do. Doesn't the lawyer look a lot like him? Like, oh yeah, kind of. They're they're not played by the same actor, but they almost could be. Right? And I couldn't stop seeing it. Like every time this lawyer was on on the screen, I'm just like, "Oh, it's Doug Fargo trying to be evil." I mean, he's doing a pretty good job. Well, yeah. Especially but like, in this scene. Like, this guy, he proves that he's got evil bad guy chops in this scene because Alan assures Mercer that whatever he's doing is getting results and they'll start to see some results after tomorrow's session. And Mercer's response is, that makes me feel all warm inside. Oh, God. You very well channeled Gladys. <laughs> 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 Which is just perfect. Just perfect. Excellent. Yeah, he doesn't feel anything. There's no emotion. There's no emotion. He's a like that time I tried to kill you. <laughs> Remember that? Those were good times. Ha 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 ha. Oh, so that's Mercer. He's yeah. He's the male yeah. human version of Gladys. So then we cut to the blue bar. Which is not the bronze still. And... Duh, blue bar. Yeah. And so... 
So, uh-oh, I think we're about to see what happens when you open the floodgate of emotions to a room of fully repressed apes. Right? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of repression here. Oh, so much repression. Never underestimate the power of repression. Kate's first line here as she walks into the room at the very beginning of the scene is, yep. I'm scared. And I was like, yeah, me too, Kate. Right. <laughs> I mean, I would be scared with a room full of cops. Yeah, perfectly mirrors my sentiment. So she introduces Angel to her dad, who promptly all but calls her a lesbian. Before we get to that part, there is a quote of the day that needs to be addressed. Because Kate is like, hey, I'm nervous. And Angel is not really sure why. And she's like, oh, I have to do public speaking. And Angel replies with, what about that thing that people say about, like, imagining the audience in their underwear? And it was such a hard line to get because even the subtitles I have didn't pick it up. I had to fucking re-listen to it multiple times. But he says, what about picturing the audience in their underwear? And she looks at him and goes, that's why I have you. She invited angels so that she could picture Angel in his underwear I thought for she her said, public speaking. I thought she said way ahead of you. I'm positive. She said, that's why I have you. That's what my transcript says, too. That's what the subtitles on Hulu said. I'm positive that is not what she, I'm positive. She said, that's why I have you. Well, I'm positive you're wrong. So we'll double check. Or, hey, Geraint. <laughs> it's another yeah. it's another drunken contest which one of us is right kate introduces angel to her dad um her dad assumes that angel is her boyfriend which you know kind of an okay assumption at this point like why would you just bring any old friend to right? a cop bar when your dad's retiring well here's where my other theory comes in which, yeah, her one line there, the one that we're arguing about, or were arguing about a moment ago, is really the only wrench in my gears on this argument. Otherwise, I think she brought him as a beard. I think it's possible. A, a beard? A beard a as a cover-up because she might actually be a lesbian, as he insinuates in the scene. Because she knows her father expects her to have a boyfriend and wants her to have a boyfriend. So she said, hey, you're a male that other people find attractive. Why don't you come with me to my dad's thing so that I don't have to deal with his shit? I'm not saying it's likely. I'm saying it's an alternative theory. It, like, okay, It definitely seems more like they are shipping these two characters. It is not a bad theory. I think that that could be the case. However, there's a certain kind of chemistry and awkwardness between Kate and Angel that tells me that she is into him in a way that it signifies more than like just wanting to be his friend. Sure, but it would also explain why she was nervous about asking him and relieved when he said yes, because she's more worried about having to deal with her dad's bullshit than she is about having a date or a boyfriend. Yeah. I think there are alternative explanations for probably most of these behaviors that you're attributing to her liking him. But anyway, that's just two sides of the same coin. Why did she bring Angel to the thing? Who really cares? 
So back to her emotionally stunted father. Yeah, and he is very standoffish, and he, after Angel congratulates him on making it to retirement and everything, his fucking response is, well, all I did was live long enough not to get shot. And Kate's like, why do you minimize such important things? Just take the compliment, you old fuck. Right? Yeah. Yeah, no, but seriously. So the chief sexistly announces it's time for Detective Lockley's speech. Um, The sexy detective. (laughs) Well, he just says, um, it's time for Detective Lockley's speech, the good looking one. Which, you know, if she wasn't a co-worker and the daughter of your co-worker who's the same age as you, um, I could see that line being okay. But it's really not in this scenario. It's not. Um, he's not wrong, necessarily, but it's not right. It's casual sexism at its finest. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, no, she's a respected detective at your precinct. Would you have said that about... Any of the hundreds of men in the room. No, you wouldn't have. Exactly. I'm with Wolfram and Hart. Everybody should have a lawyer like this. Mr. Winters shall never be convicted of any crime. Ever. Should you continue to harass our client, you'll be forced to bring that in the light of day. I want that stricken from the record. In place I'm told it's not all that healthy for you. So Kate gives her speech and... Me thinks it doesn't go as planned. Well, it starts off fine. It starts off good. And then it does a fantastic swan impression. <laughs> Specifically a swan that is diving. It does a full co- full on kamikaze. <laughs> so she's talking about her dead mom or something. And I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> Cry me a river, build me a bridge, you and get over it. Prick. Well, you know what? There's a theme here, and I'm just trying to be a part of it. So, <laughs> so she finishes while her dad is standing there completely shocked that yeah. he has to confront emotions in public. One might say flabbergasted. One might say that. That is a word. Yes. That, yes. <laughs> so... Yeah, probably not the best venue for no the things she decided to bring up. But she gets very personal. It, it's all right. It's the shillelagh. It's the magic <laughs> shillelagh that made it happen. It was very shillelagh-like. Wasn't it was it? slowly but surely we see that the rest of the force has a similarly newfound sensitive side. Some of them are very supportive. Some of them have other feelings. Well, and obviously the ones that are supportive are the ones who were in the sensitivity training. Seems to do them some good. Right? Yeah, things kind of break down rather quickly and fucking people start fighting. Yeah. Shit hits the fan, flies directly into everybody's faces. (laughs) That's the noise I I would imagine shit hitting the fan making. sounded like a truck hitting a cow that was constipated. I mean, okay. <laughs> I can, yeah, that. Make make it one more time. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. So all these cops are going fucking ape shit. They're all, yeah. they're all spouting off this psychobabble pseudotherapy jargon and. Ugh. Phrases that I hate. Yeah. 
like a bunch of fucking hippies that are trying to be smarter than they are. One guy was like, that was so brave. And <laughs> other things such as, are you kidding me? Her old man's party wasn't the forum. Let it out, Dale. I always knew your mother was controlling. I'm <laughs> passive aggressive. I'm hearing a lot of denial. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> all these kinds of things that you're going to hear from social justice warriors People that are well-meaning, but need to shut their fucking faces sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else is like, that was such a great breakthrough. You're completely blocked. <laughs> all things of that. Like, your need for catharsis is not the issue here. All, all Just pandemonium is breaking loose. So Angel and Kate... Dogs and cats living, living together. together. <laughs> Angel and Kate slip out the side door and promptly fuck off, as one should. Yeah. In like, this type of a situation. I don't know about you, but a bunch of cops drunk having a fight sounds like a bad time. About their emotions <laughs> openly. Yeah. There are guns there. You're going to have a bad time. Okay. Exactly. So back to Angel Investigations. And Kate is just so full of sensitivity now. <laughs> and Cordy almost completely outs Angel as a vampire. Oh, right. Because she, like, walks into the room mid-rant. Like, her rant started before she entered. <laughs> yeah, she didn't know that Kate was there, to be fair. so Right. And so... She ends, Kate up, turning is, the um, word vamp she ends up turning the word vampire into ventriloquist somehow. Right. Kate doesn't even notice, but... Oh, yeah, she's um, way far gone. She's kind of busy getting lost in Angel's big, broody, fantastic eyes. Well... And who can blame her? Yeah, she's gone forever. We're never getting her back. <laughs> Take a number, sweet pea. <laughs> I will fight you. So she's like, you have the most intense eyes. I see such an old soul. <laughs> It's an old soul, all right. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, she's like, I thought that enigmatic thing was just an act to get women. The truth is, you don't have an insincere bone in your body, do you? And so, yeah, this is definitely a lot more evidence towards her really being into him. Yeah. And I definitely am leaning towards that conclusion myself. But I just thought I'd throw the possibility that, you know... Maybe she is a lesbian, and she's just having a hard time dealing with it because her dad's a homophobe. Or maybe she's also just pansexual and doesn't care. Yeah. That's also very possible. Or she's pansexual and having a hard time coming to terms with that part of herself because her dad's a homophobe. Very possible. Also very possible. So, but on that note, who can't get lost in Angel's broody, broody eyes? Exactly. So we're swimming around in there... Just like, la, 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 la. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Angel pushes for the name of the guy running the sensitivity training. And uh, Kate gives him the flyer that we saw earlier at the bar. Yep. And it has his name on it. Handy that. Right? So, his yeah, his real name. Fucking idiot. And Cordelia and Doyle are like, man, what's her fucking deal? Kate? Uh, and... Kate turns her attention to them. Oh, well, my. The angel's <laughs> off and gone looking for information about Alan. And Kate's like, I think you two are in love with each other. She's basically just a drunk white chick at this point. Right. <laughs> Doyle has 
such a big heart on for you. Like, there's nobody that can't see that heart on from like eight miles away. And honey, yeah, I mean, you're not getting any younger. Oh, Why don't you give it a shot? And she's like, Angel, get back Help! over here. Help! Help! <laughs> <laughs> so, so Angel comes back he's got the address for Alan and he tells Cordy and Doyle that they're gonna stay and keep Kate out of trouble mm-hmm. they're not happy about this yeah but I wonder why you know if they want to get paid someday I guess they still have to do what Angel says sometimes presumably he pays them I mean, why else would they be here at this point? Yeah, I mean, they've only gotten one paycheck that we know of, but right? hopefully this time they're getting a check cut from the government, because <laughs> they're doing government work now. Cut to Alan's house. Yeah, which appears to be some kind of mansion, perhaps? Yes. Could be a section of Wolfram and Hart? I don't fucking know. No, it is definitely Alan's mansion. Creepy lair, evil place. I mean, if he has the power to, like, make this stick do what it does, right? the dude's, like, infomercial famous. He's probably got his own place. You're right. Yeah, like, he's got a lot of books and a whole cult following. Yeah, he's definitely motivational speaker status. Exactly. Uh, Angel finds Alan's creepy altar thing place where he was talking to Mercer earlier, and Alan barges in on him, and he's trying to work his little therapist act on him it's like oh come on buddy you're just angry open up to me <laughs> and just like oh i'll open up to you and i'm gonna start with this stick no and- that's not this stick <laughs> and hey he doesn't want to open up he doesn't want to share his feelings but now he's found alan so it's time to share his feelings now it's time to share his feelings <laughs> Angel's got some very hurty feelings. He's definitely a physical <laughs> love language type of guy. Very touch, touch oriented. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gots to go with the boom boom type. Oh, God. Like that's the kind of touch he likes. Oh yeah. Oh, quick cut back to the office. Back at Angel Investigations office office, Kate decides <laughs> the office office. <laughs> she needs to, uh, she needs to talk to her daddy because he abandoned her. And Cordy's like, "Hey, do you want some coffee or some Valium or both? Both? Why not? Uh, I think she needs both. <laughs> Why not both? Why not?" <laughs> uh, but Kate's like, "No, I don't need any of those. I have a gun." <laughs> She's just willy-nilly waving the six-shooter around, and she's like, and if either of you get in my way, I'm just gonna blow the shit out of you. And that's that, really, because you got in my way already. Bye. Like, yeah, and they let her leave, like you should. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy woman with a gun. Fucking let her do what she needs she to do. She has flipped her lid, yes, and <laughs> with training. With formal right. training. Most that- importantly, not only do you know that she can shoot you, you know that if she tries, she will. She not only will, <laughs> but she's also capable of it. Yes. Yes. We cut real quick back to Alan's. It's a short scene, but uh, Angel's like, oh, what demon do you worship here? And he's and Alan's like, oh, I'm a polytheist. I worship many demons. Alan is kind of going on about what the stick does, and he grabs the stick and he hits Angel with it, and he's like, what are your parents like? And Angel vamps out and says, 
My parents were great. Tasted like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be more accurate, they probably tasted like pork because they were humans. Exactly. Presumably. Angel slams him up against the wall. But, but that's where the joke was. Oh, yeah. Tastes like chicken. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Angel slams him up against the wall and... It, we don't see the rest of the interrogation, but we know where it goes from there. He shoves the shillelagh directly up his own ass, apparently. Man, that seems like a bad interrogation move. Alan does not look scared at all as Angel <laughs> is holding this talking stick against his throat to the wall. Maybe he's a little aroused. Who knows? Sure, why not? I mean, he's been putting that stick in all sorts of asses. <laughs> I mean, the casting director's done a fantastic job of finding creepy-ass dudes oh, God, to cast yeah. in villain roles Right, several episodes in a row now. This, Very much so. This guy, I thought he was Wesley, just from the thumbnail. A little bit. Then I was doing some other research, and I was like, wait, but the first episode Wesley is in is episode 10. So A first season? A first season. Shit, I didn't even realize it was first season. Oh, yeah, it's coming up. Uh, I thought it was this one based on the thumbnail on IMDb, but it's not. It's this fucking guy, Alan, who looks kind of like Jim Varney. Oh, God, if he does. Jim Varney okay. were a televangelist. Like, <laughs> it's like a mix. Yeah. Between Wesley and Jim Varney. I yeah. don't know how I feel about that. I I'm going to just have to move on from the feelings that that comparison I, has given me. I think Alexis Denisoff and Jim Varney are both considerably more talented than this guy unquestionably <laughs> so we're just gonna leave it there judging by your uncomfortableness i would say you're either about to ask me out on a date or you need a favor well see the thing about detectives is they have resumes and business licenses and last names pop stars and popes those are the one name guys so from there we cut to the precinct where one cop thinks it's a great idea to let all the prisoners out because they're all just locked up in there with the big ones picking on the little ones and and, the, it's, poor and it's, not, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair at all. <laughs> and he he opens up all the cells and they gang up on him and kick his ass immediately. Who could have possibly foreseen this? Everybody. <laughs> Literally everybody. Just to highlight a few things, because it's pandemonium at the police station at this point. A traffic cop having emotional whiplash. A beat cop that thinks uh, this woman is not listening quite enough to her mugger's feelings. <laughs> I loved the little bits of the cops. Like, the idea that the cops would be like, you haven't really considered the whole truth of the situation mm -hmm. sort of bullshit. Because, like, I've met cops who do this shit. This is all about victim blaming hood. Like the whole, right? like cops already do this. <laughs> like I have been told, well, maybe you should have just walked away. Like, yeah. Like seriously, like dude was trying to get into my house or your house as the case was. Yeah. Maybe you should have walked away. That wasn't a fucking option. Yeah. It wasn't an option. Like, if somebody starts a fight with you and you fight back, they will seriously be like, well, unless you were actively trying to get away, then we can charge both of you with fighting. Have you considered the feelings of the drunk guy who tried to pick a fight with you? 
I don't think you have. But yeah, there's definitely some real social commentary about our <laughs> legal system going on. I'm a little sad, given all the reality happening in the world today. Mm-hmm. It really made this episode difficult for me. Especially since we're supposed to side with the police on this one. Exactly. Not that police... We're not trying to hate on police, but we are hating on police brutality. Yeah. We're definitely, you know, look up Black Lives Matter. That's where we're coming from here. Yep. So, because yeah, not blue Black lives, lives Matter. Not Blue Lives Matter. Not All Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Because any other movement that sounds similar is just trying to detract attention from Black Lives Matter. Exactly. So, we're outside the station now. Cordelia and Doyle run into Angel where they had followed Kate to because she ran off with a gun. Yeah, and you know what? Crazy woman with a gun? I don't know that I would follow her. They Good on them. They clearly kept their distance, so they're not right? dumb. They're not dumb. Angel um, rightfully believes that it's hug time for the Scooby 2.0 starter kit. <laughs> it is hug time, apparently. Yeah. Somebody soaked that shillelagh in some kind of drug. <laughs> Probably ecstasy. I mean, right before they shoved it up Angel's yeah, ass. Yeah, definitely ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> and Doyle's like, I think you found Mister Sensitivity. Angel's like, it was right here all the time, just waiting to come out. Gosh, what our folks do to us, huh? I'm like, here, here, <laughs> right. Truer things were never spoken, Angel. Cut to Kate calling her dad and leaving voicemails. Oh, yeah. And we go back to Angel and Cordy and Doyle, where Angel gives them the kind of rundown of what's going on. Yeah, basically, the stick is cursed. He knows that he's cursed, but he's still doing the whole sensitive act routine. Yeah, and he does point out that it will wear off. Important information to have, definitely. Yes. Their uber sensitivity is not permanent. I never would have thought I'd say this, but I can't wait for Broody Angel again. It would be lovely to not have to witness this atrocity of nature ever again. <laughs> so we get the story that the shillelagh is a talisman being used by Alan. Anyone that touches the stick becomes infected. <laughs> Angel says, he admitted it to me after I threatened him with violence <laughs> he's so upset like, I, I can't believe i did that oh i can't believe i used violence i could never but this is still relatively in character he's very self-flagellating about being oh, violent I mean, yeah in his past but now it's just extending further into present actions my favorite part about this whole scene though is cordy's like oh it's time to vamp out and let's kick some ass Angel's like, no, I don't, I don't want to. I think you, you judge me when I do. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of good moments. <laughs> there was a lot packed into a small amount of time, and it was in a very difficult way that it's hard to riff on, and we just yeah. can't mention everything. So blah blah blah. Wolfram and Hart did it. Duh. Yep. Tony wants to kill Kate after he escapes. This was the plan all along. Yeah, but they can't get in because <laughs> this butthurt cop locked the door and closed the blinds. Well, other places can close. We can close now, too. Haven't we done enough? <laughs> Let's see how you feel <laughs> when we turn our backs. Oh, and then we get a little bit of, like, there's a quick cut to a, a policeman reading poetry to a convict. 
Huh. Now I felt really bad about how I treated you earlier, so I wrote this poem. <laughs> I did see a leaf and thus cried. <laughs> <laughs> and I did cry. That's what it was. Uh, and then we get to Kate at her desk, and her partner comes up, and he kind of nice guys her? Yeah, he nice guys out on her, definitely. He's like, I've like, been into you for so long, and unrequited love, and blah, blah, blah. How come you never wanted me back? <laughs> Rejection, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It would be nice guying if he were not under the influence of a like mystical stick. Yeah, but he was under the influence of a yeah. mystical stick. So it's a little okay. Like it's yeah. not his fault. It's certainly not problematic behavior. I mean, everybody's behavior right now is problematic, but she's a very attractive woman. It would be very difficult to be her partner and not develop feelings for her. Hey, good on him for going this long without making it fucking weird. Without making it her problem. That exactly. would be that would be nice guying it. Exactly. But it took a mystical stick up his ass yeah. to get there. So he's he's cool in my book. So now we cut to little Tony busting out of jail and getting guns from the fucking armory in the precinct. Angel and Cordelia and Doyle break through a window to get into the station. <laughs> Angel doesn't feel very good about this. <laughs> yeah, they have a weird conversation about saying please, and then uh, walk into the main area where little Tony and the thugs are, are all pointing guns at Kate. Angel walks in. This is a quote of the day. Hey, I'm feeling some serious negative energy in this room. <laughs> and Kate says, do you understand how that gun makes you come off as hostile? <laughs> and that body language, it's so closed. <laughs> yeah, tons of great little pseudo... Yeah. Oh my god. Therapeutic lines. <laughs> They're great. Both Angel and Kate have all these like touchy-feely, soft, caressing, bullshit dialogue, yet they still kick fucking ass yeah there's still a part of themselves in there that are just using this as a cover yeah. as they launch into a fight with these guys because shoots a guy angel pats a chair and in front of tony and he says now why don't we sit down together and process this and then <laughs> all the fists start swinging Hits Tony with a chair. Kate shoots a guy. And we get a few gems in there. Like, as they're fighting, Kate's like, now how do you think that makes me feel? <laughs> Honestly, I put that down as a quote of the day. She shoots a guy. And <laughs> just the idea of shooting someone go, how do you think that makes me feel? <laughs> Angel gets one too. He's like, okay, oh now I'm just feeling unheard. <laughs> <laughs> did you write down his pain bow line? Of course I did. <laughs> I didn't write down the whole line. Go ahead. And then the golden child line of the entire episode. Angel's like, you know, Anthony, you could be a rainbow and not a... <laughs> knocks his ass on the ground. A pain bow. I mean, it really is all up to you. Be a rainbow. Oh, the pun makes me so happy. Not a pain bow. <laughs> Everybody. Oh, I love puns so much. Good God. <sighs> and I think that was 
That was the climax of the series thus far. Thus far, yeah. That, <laughs> um, hearing that line especially come out of Angel's mouth yeah. made it perfect. Angel and Kate have a big heartfelt hugging reunion. Like, you can almost hear that music in the background as they're like... Like, they should have just played the opening theme music as they slowly went running for each other. <laughs> Angel! Right. Kate. Angel! Kate! Inuyasha! Kagome! Oh, God, that fucking shit. Inuyasha! Kagome! <laughs> I hate that anime. It starts off good, and then they just go completely downhill after season two. Then we get some wrap-up here. We have a short little bit with Wolfram and Hart, where little Tony is like, Oh, you're my lawyer! And Wolfram and Hart is like, No, you know what? Fuck you. Actually, <laughs> you're too much of a liability. You're fired. What? You can't fire me. I'm your client. Well, we just did. Tony's point is like, Oh, I did what you wanted me to do. And they're like, No, we offered you the opportunity to escape jail. You're the one who wanted to shoot people. Yeah, you know you done <laughs> fucked up bad when you can't even get an evil empire of lawyers to help you out. <laughs> Right. When you've got all the money in the world to throw at them. Uh, and then to the precinct where Kate explains that everyone decided that the blue bar had spiked punch. Yeah, somebody poisoned the drinks or whatever. Someone poisoned the water hole. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that they keep coming up with real world reasons for Kate to believe the w that things went down the right? way they did logically and walk away still knowing nothing of the supernatural side of things and especially that angel is a vampire and i'm yeah, i can't this remember is the second time now yeah so i'm really interested to see how long they carry this idea yeah i was i can't remember at all when she figures out or how she takes it but i i know she doesn't stick around the whole series so. i can't fucking wait till that moment so i'm pretty sure it doesn't go down well so they awkwardly part ways confirming that neither of them really remember if they said anything weird to one another i think angel does remember because angel was not under the influence when kate went on and on yes. about his intense eyes exactly he had not yet touched <laughs> the stick or had it shoved up his pooper no so um kate's dad pretends he's doing her a favor by telling her as far as he's concerned her speech never happened what an asshole. Repression is a powerful tool, and denial ain't just a river. So Angel sadly spies on the situation <sighs> from across the room and then broods his way out the door. As only Angel can. God damn it, Kate's dad. Don't you see how sad you make me? I'm so broody, Kate's dad. God damn it. Gerarg. Gerarg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength, strength. Give, 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 give me more! Nights, I shall give, walk give, in here. Hold on. You've got something here. Yeah. How'd you feel about this episode? I had mixed feelings about this episode. Same. It worked so well in the moment, but it was really difficult to take notes on reviewing this episode. It unquestionably the hardest episode of Angel yet to take notes on. And there was definitely a lot of satire going on and it was kind of hard to keep separated when they were trying to make a statement 
about reality versus when they were just trying to make fun of things. There were a lot of great moments. Yeah. But A, it's kind of a nothing episode. I don't think it quite did a good enough job of clarifying the end game point. Because really, it's like they're saying that you need to be more sensitive and in touch with your emotions. But then they demonstrate how that's bad for everybody. And they don't really wrap that up very well. It hints at the idea that too much of a good thing is bad. Yeah, all good things in moderation. Most of the bad negative feelings i had about this episode dealt with dissonance between 90s era and today and my current today views on cops and my current today views on emotional sensitivity this is one of the few times where i really wasn't able to separate my opinions from my viewing experience Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not a criticism on the episode by any means. On the opposite end of that, though, I think the episode did an interesting job with this of towing the line of like, do we really want these people to be hypersensitive? I mean, we want cops to be more sensitive, but there's too much sensitive too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All I know is I liked the dynamic between Kate and Angel. Yeah. Character-wise for Kate, I liked that her dad was like, no, fuck you. I would have been a little disappointed if there was some big hokey Hollywood like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was a bad father hug at the end. Yeah, they didn't Ebenezer Scrooge it. Exactly. So they kept it real there anyway. It was it was sad and disappointing, but at the same time, like, yeah, there was no chance that old fuck was going to grow his heart three right. sizes like the Grinch. My opinion of this episode would be exceptionally more negative if that had been the case. Yeah. But I think my final judgment is that it's a nothing episode. Yeah, the, the points that they were trying to make kind of felt canceled out by how much it all got muddled. Yeah, there you go. That's the phrasing I couldn't find. Okay. Exactly. They have to toe a line between, well, this is a supernatural sci-fi-y teenage drama versus we're also trying to make sociopolitical commentary. And it was just, it was a little ahead of its time, but it was just too muddled. So I enjoyed the episode, but it didn't do as good of a job as the last couple episodes did on taking a firm stance how they felt about the issue. Definitely not as good of a Creature of the Week episode as the previous couple. Yeah, some dude with a magic stick. <laughs> Nowhere right. near as fun as a guy who can make his eyes float around. Or yeah, that was just gruesome. Or a ghost who killed her son and also his ghost is yeah. <laughs> haunting the apartment. Yeah, Creature uh, of the Week thing was pretty weak. What's your quote of the day, Rex? I'm actually going to give my quote of the day to the mook. The mook? Yep. Spivey gets my quote of the day. Interesting. Just because after Kate is like, oh, he shot himself in the back of the head, wrapped himself in plastic, and put himself in the trunk of his own car? And his just deadpan response of, he was depressed. (laughs) That gets my quote of the day. Okay. Lighthearted. I wanted lighthearted. Lighthearted. 
that is a perfectly valid thing to desire. I also, most of the time, want lighthearted, and I don't think there was enough serious about this episode. <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. Um, or at least not enough that they did well enough to take seriously in this episode for me to bother looking for something heavy. Right. So what is your quote of the day? So my quote of the day, I'm just going to have to go with, you know, Anthony, you could be a rainbow and not a pain bow. Because that's just so ridiculous. I feel like the writers were just like, can we just finish this episode already? All right, everybody. This has been another episode of Ale with Angel. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Review us on iTunes. First and foremost, if there's anything that you can, in fact, do for us, that is review us on iTunes. We'll read your review on the air because that's how much we like them and that's how much they help us. If you would like to support us financially, you can buy our stuff at store.beerwithbuffy.com. We have shirts, stickers, hoodies, and mugs. If you'd like to support us financially without having junk to throw around your house, and you just need a clean transaction that just makes you feel good about yourself, go on over to patreon.beerwithbuffy.com and pick our cat naming perk where we can... Have you ever had the problem where you have a cat... And you just don't know what to name it. And gosh, if somebody could just take that weight off of my shoulders, I sure could sleep better at night. Well, Josh and Rex are here to do that for you here on Ale with Angel slash Beer with Buffy. And then any money that you donate to us through patreon.beerwithbuffy.com will go towards the proceeds of keeping this show on the air and coming right back at you. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can always email us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. You can always leave us a voicemail or text us at 269-743-0783. Big shout out and thank you to JJ Treadway for most of our opening and transitional music. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Ale with Angel. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Have a good night. done why are we watching this <laughs>